Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Before we get into this episode of this week's Small Doses podcast, I want to thank everybody who came out to our shows in Chicago this weekend. I did Enemy That We Trust Live, and I did stand-up for the first time in over a year, and y'all were amazing. So I really, really, truly appreciate y'all showing up for your girl. Let me just tell you, Enemy That We Trust Live is a space that I created based on the documentary by the same name that I produced last year, where I really wanted to get folks excited about getting understanding of our system. Well, since October 7th, I understand that, you know, what? We don't just need to get excited. We need to get informed. Okay. And this is a space I've created where folks come together. We do trivia that really excites our minds and gets folks involved and have them talking to each other about the answers and expounding upon the answers. Then I show a screening of the film and then I invite an organizer from that city on stage to take part in a Q&A with me and the audience. I was so just like <laughs> enlivened and empowered after this and the audience felt the same way. So when In Amanda We Trust comes to your city, I hope to see you there with a fist in the air. In Amanda We Trust Live and my stand-up dates are available at amandaseals.com. Last but not least, I want to shout out everybody at Patreon. We are doing a really big plan to expand the Patreon and give you all more access to not only Small Doses Podcast, but to me, Amanda Seals. We just started an open chat in the Patreon for all the folks who are subscribers to be able to interact with each other and really make it a safe space. I want Patreon to not just be a place to support my work, but a place to support y'all. I want it to be a community and only you all can make that way. So shout out to the SEAL squad and shout out to everybody here who is a fan of Small Doses Podcast. We love having you all here and we're going to continue giving you all this goodness that keeps you coming back from out. Now, I will also remind you that my next tour dates are in Dallas, all right? I'll be in Dallas for one night only with two shows. That is on February 25th, all right? February 25th. Also want to remind you that if you really love this podcast, you can check out my radio show, The Amanda Seals Show, which is also available wherever you get your podcasts and on the actual radio in select cities. We just expanded to D.C. and Columbus, Georgia. So very excited to be able to bring the message into y'all. All right. That's all I got. Let's get into the episode. All right, y'all, it's time for another episode of Small Doses Podcast. And uh, this time it's just me, <laughs> just me hanging with ya, hanging with ya. And I got to take you back, all right? So when Tabitha Brown was here, she was talking about how she had basically like one day just like looked in the mirror and spoke to God and was like, all right, moving forward, I'm just going to be obedient to you. I'm going to be obedient to you and I am going to do what you have me here to do. And she said that she has really stuck with that and that anytime that she defies that, like she pays for it. 
I mean, not like dun dun dun, pay for it, but like you know, it, it always ends up being like ah ah, there you go. Should have been listening. Should have been obedient. And so you know, when I was listening to this, I was like, you know, Tabitha is a devout Christian. I am not. But I think, you know, for those of us who are really trying to be on a high vibration, it still ends up being the same type of thing. It's just a different, maybe a different language that it's spoken in, right? So I'm like, well, what is what is what she's saying? What language is that for me? And my homegirl had just randomly hit me out the blue like two days after my breakup. And she was like, I was telling her what was going on. And she was like, girl, it's flow not force. It's flow not force. She's like, that's what we living with. Flow not force. And sometimes people tell you something, it just doesn't even require an explanation. You know, like I didn't even have to get from her like, well, what do you mean by flow not force? I knew exactly what she meant in that moment. And what she meant was that it really is about allowing yourself to be in flow and to let go. And that when you are like trying to muscle, that you are actually moving against the way you should be going right? Which I think for a lot of us is the norm. It's normal for us to flex against something that may feel uncomfortable or even better yet, that may feel unknowing, right? Like if we've never been in that situation before, or we are like in uncharted waters, you know, our natural instinct is to swim to the shore instead of saying like, well, let me see what's over there because the current is taking me there. And I get that because naturally it's like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to swim if we get out there. But the thing about it is that have you always been able to swim though? Have you ever been let go? Not really. Whenever you follow the flow. And so that's what I realized is my version of what Tabitha Brown was speaking about. Her obedience to Jesus Christ for me, is my obedience to flow, which ultimately is all of us saying that we are going to go in the direction that God is speaking to us to go to, right? Like we're, we're aligning with the way our intuition is leading us based on its connection to a higher power. And finding that flow is not easy. And so we're going to talk about that today because I think sometimes when we talk about finding our flow, we think it's more so just like, I'm finding my groove. <laughs> I'm finding my jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finding my movements. And it's like, yeah, that's not... <laughs> like, like when I talk about finding your flow, I'm not necessarily talking about like, oh yeah, we just played six songs in a row that were all the right songs to play in a row. What I mean is finding the trust in you to go with the way that a higher power is taking you. And in that, being able to determine when it's a higher power moving you and not your fear. Let's gem drop. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. We're dropping on these hoes. <sighs> All right, so our gem dropping naturally to me is flow versus force. Now, here's the thing. When I talk about flow, like, I'm not just talking about like rhythm. I think that some of us think about it like to fill the rhythm of life. And there is something to be said when you're like in your rhythm, right? When you're like just moving and you're like, yeah, like I'm about it. I get it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Yeah. And then we think about it when that stops. We're just like, oh, now I'm not in it. Now I'm not in it. That's not what I'm talking about because your flow is always in action, even when things aren't going the way that you want them to go. And that's what flow is about. How do you stay in flow even when things are not necessarily like showing up for you the way that you want them to? And I think the reality is that when things aren't showing up for us the way that we want them to, we immediately decide that like, oh, we're doing something wrong. 
We're doing something wrong. This wouldn't have happened if we had done X, Y, Z. But that's not always the case because sometimes things are going in this direction, even though it's not like the good news that you wanted, because that's the lessons that you needed to know, right? That's the information you needed to know. That was the story that needed to be told to you for you to be able to make the next movement. When we talk about force, for me, force isn't simply just like, oh, this is difficult. Oh, this is stressful. That's not simply just force. Force is oftentimes for me when something feels like I am having to muscle my way to making it make sense. When I am creating loopholes and jungle gyms and tactics to like make it make sense. So for instance, like when I see people, you know, during the height of the recent Israel-Palestine conflict. When I see people doing entire dissertations about why it's okay to not say anything when it's dealing with a genocide. When I see people saying that, I feel like, see, what I'm witnessing is force. I'm witnessing people really jumping through hoops, doing a bunch of mental gymnastics to try to make this thing make sense that genuinely does not make sense in the flow of where things are going, right? And I'm like, you understand that like all this effort that you're going through is nonsense because you're really just doing it because you cannot handle what really is in you coming out. You actually do want to speak. (laughs) You actually do want to stand for something. But there are things and impediments that you have aligned yourself with that you're now trying to commiserate and reconcile. That's force. Whereas honestly, if you really, I believe, just go with the way that your body and your heart and your soul are telling you to, that you actually will land where you need to. But it's so difficult to do that because we live in a world that's on a grid, We live in a world that is so often committed to this grid. It is so like we have to do this this way and then this this way and this this way, you know, and this is how the protocols go for this. And then these are the steps for this. And this is the processes for this. It is wildly unnerving. And it's not attached to necessarily morals or values or freedom. It's not attached to any of those things, which are at the tenets of flow. So you're like, how do I make these things come together? And you have to decide, like, I am going to commit to really allowing myself to let flow happen. Because that's the other part. You have to be the remover of the force by letting flow happen. And letting flow happen requires you even knowing you. It's taken me so long to do so much self-work and self-exploration about what are the things that I allow to be force in my way. Right. Whether it's my codependency or abandonment issues or, you know, insecurities, jealousy, like what are the things that I am allowing to be in the way of me feeling good about my gut? See, that's the thing when we're talking about it. It's not just to say, oh, what am I allowing to get in the way of me getting to where I want to go? That's not what I'm saying. What am I allowing to get in the way of me trusting my gut? Because when you know you have these things floating around, it makes you say, like, I don't know how much I can really listen to me. Because you know. Because you know you have these things. Those things are force. The jealousy, the codependency, the projecting, all of these things. A lot of us have them because we are human. 
And we come up in a world where we are shaped by factors outside of our control. And then we have to take control. And part of the taking control is learning who you are and learning what you are and how to be the person you want to be in order to be able to be in flow. When we're talking about flow versus force, we also can identify like listening over whining, right? And someone had dropped this in the comments on Instagram, but I think a lot of times in order for us to attain flow, we we really do have to get quiet and listen. And sometimes when we are busy whining, we might not call it whining because we're like, no, like I'm calling out the things that are a problem. Like I'm saying the things that are in the way and, you know, I'm just like frustrated that they're not the what they are. And I can, y'all, y'all know that I know about that. <laughs> okay. But then there's also like, okay, once you've established that, now what? Now what? And at a certain point, you have to give space to actually let the inspiration come to you or let the knowledge or let the flow come to you. And the whining and the complaining is is the force. It becomes force at a certain point because you're literally forcing yourself to just be stuck in like, I don't like this. I don't like this. And that's when we can also go into like the abundance versus the uh, scarcity mindset because the abundance mindset will say, well, you don't like this, but like, what do you like? And like, how can we like center that versus what you don't like? This life thing ain't easy, y'all. Trust me. We all trying to figure it out. We all trying to flow, not force it out. So I say that to say that when it comes to force, flow and flow versus force, the two are not anywhere close, like they're not similar. Like I feel like you can identify them clearly, but they run so concurrently with each other that sometimes you, you're you like, wait a minute, am I? Oh shit, I didn't even realize I was in force. Ooh. And I got a story about that in that one time. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. So let's get into these DMTs. We're going to head on over to the SEAL squad in a little bit. But first, we got some questions for y'all right here. All right. First question. How do you find ways to operate in flow when dealing with people who don't flow at all? You know, it's funny because I've been in that situation. I've been in that situation where I was having to deal with people who just don't flow at all. And I was also still like trying to find my flow. And what I had to realize was that I was somewhat looking for some type of like affirming from them in how to get into my flow. And so I had to really just 
disconnect from wanting that from them or expecting that from them. And just looking at them as, you know, folks that are in my midst and kind of like problem solving. (laughs) You know, they're almost like a logic problem that I'm just solving versus something that I'm trying to understand. I'm not trying to understand it. I'm just trying to transactionally get it to allow me to do what I need to do to remain in flow. You know, like someone had DM me and said that, you know, she works somewhere where her two bosses or like the boss and the boss's son, I guess, are not pro-Palestine. And she was like, you know, I don't know kind of like how to move forward because I like them, but I feel like, you know, this is something we need to talk about. And I was like, why? Like, unless you work at a job where you feel like your morals are an integral part of that job or you feel like them paying you is an integral part of like y'all moral interaction, like... Are you going to change their mind? Like, protect your peace. Protect your peace. Know them for what they are now. And they know that they haven't even asked you. They felt so comfortable to espouse their views in front of you without having any, any even interest in where your thoughts lie. So now you know what they own and you can carry on. But it can feel like we have to be like so locked in at our jobs. And she hit me back and was like, you know what? You're right. Like... I low-key have been acting as if, like, I need, like, everyone at my job for us to, like, like each other. I'm like, no, Michael Scott, that's That's an office reference. Like, ultimately, we want to have comfort in our workspaces, but we do not need to have family in all workspaces. Next question. What are best practices for revitalizing your inspiration without it feeling forced? You know, I always feel like your inspiration is coming from where like you're tapping into inside of you. So I feel like when you can tap into your joy spaces, like that is like a great way to open up your inspiration. And that to me doesn't necessarily feel forced. Now, if you are depressed, then that would definitely feel forced. But, you know, I, I always encourage folks like to not abandon themselves in those moments. I have done that and it is no good. It is no good. But You know, the thing about inspiration is also kind of like what is inspiring you? Like, do you need to get inspired because you need to get a check, right? Like, is it that you need to get inspired just because like you feel like you're overdue to make something? Is it that you're inspired, you need to get inspired because you have like an assignment? You know, I feel like sometimes that's the first thing that you need to like square away. And then that allows you to have like an intention in your inspiration, Because if you can't kind of ground it in that, then it feels like you're just kind of grasping at straws without any real direction. Like if I know that I have a deadline that I have to reach, that I have to do to get something done, like I have to consciously be aware of that. And then that lets my body and my brain and my heart and my soul know like, okay, Okay. these are the parameters that we're working in. But if I know that it's just something I just want to do, like, you know, I just feel like I haven't been creative lately. I haven't been creative lately. Then I can tell my body and my soul and my spirit and my mind, like, you know what? We just want to create something. So, like, keep keep your eyes open. <laughs> keep your eyes open for something. Sometimes it's, it's as free as that or it's as direct as that. But a lot of times we don't actually call it. And so we're not really telling our inspiration the GPS of where to move towards. So I feel like that's a good starting point that isn't force, but is really just clarity. Next question. 
Learning to navigate through friendships and relationships because I was so absorbed in my flow is the difficult part for me. How can I find a healthy balance between what I love doing and being more present for my friends? So this is a different concepting. This is a different idea of flow. You know, I think that what this idea of flow is, is this idea that like I'm focused on a goal and achieving it. And I'm, I'm just in like, I'm kind of like in grind mode kind of thing. And so because I'm in that directive and I'm moving and grooving and getting things done, I'm not really paying attention to the things that are going on outside of me. That for me is not the flow that I'm talking about. The flow that I'm talking about exists within you. And it really is about you trusting and you believing and you connecting And you can do that in that other flow that she's talking about. And I feel like when you do do that in that flow that she's talking about, in your workflow, you start to free up space in your mind for other things that can really enhance that flow that she's talking about. That's where your friends come in. That's where taking time to yourself comes in. You know, that's where being good to yourself comes in. Because you have to create a workflow of not just the work (laughs) that you're doing for money, but the self-work that you're doing for you. And that is a mindfulness that has to be had. And that's where I'm at. So I understand because that's where I'm at. Like really realizing that, and I read this quote recently and it's just incredible, but really realizing that the love of your life is the love of your life. The love of your life is the love of your life. Loving your life is the love of your life. And when you can find that and pour into that, that is you pouring into flow and becoming obedient and learning and trusting. And the more you do it, the more you're able to see You know, it's kind of like the matrix. The more you're able to see, oh, this is flow. Oh, this is force. I'm going to relieve that. And you don't relieve it with anger. You don't relieve it with bitter. You don't relieve it with contempt. You relieve it with thankfulness and with grace because now you're back in flow. And you say, you know, that's over there. Thankfully, I was able to know that. Let me move. We're going to head over to the SEAL squad and see what's going on over there for our Patreon questions. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, 
and everything in between. That That one one time. time. (laughs) So in my relationship, I was very steadfast. In my recent relationship, I was very steadfast about not wanting to be the victim to the relationship. And what I mean by that is that I think a lot of times we kind of like let life happen to us versus, you know, actually being in control of our life. And there's this weird dance that I think we do where we're like, okay, like I don't want to like be like too in something where like I can't see the trees from the road, but I also don't want to just like be taken for a ride. And so we commit ourselves to saying, okay, well, I'm going to be an active participant, right? I'm going to be an active participant in this. So that's why I decided to be in my relationship because I feel like in the past, I wasn't really an active participant. I feel like in the past in my relationships, I was doing what... I guess I thought like I'm supposed to do, but I don't know if y'all are admitting this to yourselves, but you know, most of us really don't know what to do with relationships. Like we, it's not like we have a lot of like teachers. It's not like we have a lot of like examples. I mean, if you're fortunate enough to like have it within your family, then so be it. But it's not like love is blind is really teaching you how to like be in a relationship. Okay. Okay. So I was just kind of doing what I thought I'm supposed to do, but I really wasn't grounded in any like true effort of like method or, (laughs) or moral or principle. Like it was just like, yeah, like this is how it's supposed to go. Right. Yeah. 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 So in this relationship, I said, no, we're going to read books. We're going to be intentional. We're going to be purposeful. We're going to go to the therapy. We're going to do the things for this to work. Right. Because I don't want that when this is done, if it is done, I don't want to feel regretful. I want to feel like I have actually put in the effort of understanding how to be my best self in this. And so I did. And, you know, what I will say, and if you've ever heard any uh, podcasts or interviews with me that related to my time while I was in that relationship, I often spoke about how he was the first man I had ever been with who tried. Like, I feel like they never tried. Like, it was always like, I am really doing my darndest and they're kind of just like, I'm here, that's enough. And so it was like this time with somebody who would at least like go to the therapy, right? Would at least like read the books, you know, or would at least like have like the deep introspective emotional discussions with me. And even if they didn't, like they would be apologetic after and then we'd be able to like move forward. So that always felt like effort. That always felt like something of value because it was something that somebody was doing for the sake of us. However, what I started to realize was that I was always the one who was creating that momentum. I'm always the one that is examining what's happening or what the conflicts are and looking for ways to improve them 
or looking for ways to find resolution. Like I'm always the one saying like, hey, you know, this is not really like feeling good. Does Does this this feel feel good good to you? Like this way that we're interacting? Like let's let's see how we can come together and, and move past this, right? But the thing about that is like, you don't keep patting yourself on the back. Like, look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm such a good one in this relationship. At a certain point, you're just like, wow, look at me. Am I the only one in this relationship? And you start questioning that and it's going to be, you're going to go down a road. And I look back and I say, wow, you were in force, not flow for a long time because flow is not being taken for a ride. Flow is you feeling free and feeling good about the direction that you're going in, but not because you're forcing it, but because there's an anointedness to it. It is building you up with every challenge. And I've talked about a version of this for quite some time when I tell y'all like, You know, you got to let something go when it goes from a challenge to a stress. But in relationships, I think it can be so much harder to identify that because you'll tell yourself that it's not necessarily a stress. It's like we're working through something. We love to say that we're working through something or it's a phase, you know, or it's trauma. And then we'll tell ourselves that because we understand where that person's trauma comes from, that we understand why they bring that trauma over here. And then we'll tell ourselves that our compassion can make it okay for us to manage that. Like we'll do that all day long. That is not flow. That is force. You're forcing it. You are rationalizing irrational shit. You are accepting the unacceptable. That is not flow. You know, when we think about light and how, you know, if you're in a hallway with a bunch of doors and you want that light to flow through, you got to open those doors for the light to go through. And if you are able to open those doors, then the light will go through. Think about how many times we've been in relationships where you try to open the door with somebody and they will not open the door. They will not let you in. They won't let the light in. That's force. Not letting the light in. So that's what I mean by when we talk about like, even when it's something that's not going your way, it still can be flow. Because as long as you're letting the light in, you're letting the lesson in, you're letting the learning in, it is still flow. When I was doing the documentary for In Amanda We Trust, It's so ironic that it's called In Amanda We Trust because the only reason that it ended up being able to happen was me trusting myself. That is literally the most important aspect that I can tell you about that project. It wasn't the money. It wasn't the people I had working on it. It wasn't the writing. No, it was my trust in myself. And if I had not somehow decided to just listen to my gut, I don't feel like it would have come out as well, even if it did come out. Because it would have been based on things that were not really what I truly cared about. And I've never gotten to make anything truly like within that mindset, I don't think. I think I've always been really considering of like, what's the marketplace going to care about this? You know, how am I going to make this bigger? Or how can I appease certain people? And when it came to this, that just wasn't a part of the equation. This is a complete flow, not force production. Every 
issue that would arise, every production problem, any of that, I would always go to my gut for the consult first and ask myself, what would it take for this to happen? Does this feel good? Literally just does this feel good? Like the finding of the flow can literally be as basic as does this feel good? And when I say feel good, I don't mean does it make me feel praise or does it make me feel supported? Like, I I don't want to say that because I think sometimes when we say feel good, we take it as like, oh, is this a compliment? When I say feel good, I mean, does this feel progressive? That's better a word than good. Does it feel like progression? When I meditate over water, I meditate, bring me forward, bring me forward, bring me forward. I want to progress. I want to progress. I want to progress. Does this feel like progression? Does this feel progressive? And, you know, even when it came down to just deciding to just do the segments and take out the stand-up, the question in my head was, is this progressive to do this? Or does this feel like a cop-out? Does this feel like you just settling? And when I did the math, so to speak, it was like, nah, this... This is progressive because it is a space that you've never been in before. It is a format that you've never seen before. And it centers others in a really valuable way while still allowing you to be the vessel for the messaging. That was flow, not force. I remember coming out of the pool One day when my ex and I were in the pool, he never got in the pool. So he was like sitting by the pool and I was in the pool. And I forgot the conversation that we had, but I remember saying to myself, as I got out of the pool, I'm going to save my relationship. (laughs) And I just think back on like, you really thought for like a good five minutes that this was able to somehow be saved by you. That you were going to be able to force your way into making this shit flow. It was never going to happen. I remember sitting on the dock in Belize. And I had just gotten news that I was basically blacklisted from certain comedy clubs. And that that's why I wasn't able to set up a tour for 2023. And I remember saying to myself, like getting up after sitting there, like getting up and starting to walk towards my room and telling myself like, no, you're going to figure this out. They're going to hear you. And I got to my room and I sat outside and realized Yeah, this is force. (laughs) This is force. I'm not saying don't fight back. There are things that you need to fight back because the flow is leading you in that direction. But this, this didn't feel like flow. This felt like ego. See, that's really what force is based in many times. Fear and ego. Is this decision I'm making to either move or not move, is this based in ego or fear. That's a great way to identify force. 
Because ultimately, my reasoning for like, I'm going to show them was both ego and fear. Ego, that who the hell they think they are playing in my face. Like that one time Whitney was singing, that's what friends are for with Luther Vandross. And he had to let her know, oh, I'm Luther. Yeah, he had to let her know. But it was also fear. Because it was also fear that these people think they're going to get away with playing in my face. Like, what are you, who cares? What are you afraid of? What are you proving? Who are, who are these people? That's force. And that's when I realized what I need to do is I need to bring in Amanda we trust to the people and I need to figure out how to do it. But that has been a project that has come through in flow. So why am I stepping out of that? Why? It was so revelatory and so just like empowering because it felt like I had like found some type of alchemy and some type of magic, right? And all it really is is faith. <laughs> you know, that's really all it really is. And to me, faith doesn't have to be just so, like specifically associated with some type of religion. Like it's just the trust in the unseen. And... That is where my obedience has now had to find itself. Trusting that I can be in flow because I know myself. I trust myself and I will listen to her. And I will listen to her so that when I do identify flow, I can remove it, step outside of it. You know, sometimes flow is not even you. It's other people's ego. It's other people's fear in your way. How do you move that? I've had to do it. Y'all, I had an interview and a sister was in that interview just being real. You know, she was really just being young and inexperienced, but she was being very cocky about it. And at a certain point in the interview, she asked a question that didn't relate to the documentary. And I, I said to her, you know, she had already told me that she hadn't watched the documentary. And I said to her, oh, I'm going to skip over that question because it doesn't really relate. And so later in the interview, she came with her final question. Y'all, she just knew that this question was going to be the question. She said, so having been in this industry so long, what do you say to people who misconstrue who you are? And I thought about it for a second. I said, I don't say nothing to them because I really at this point don't understand what there is to misconstrue. Like I've been at this for so long. Like if y'all haven't figured it out yet, like I can't help you. I can explain it to you. I can't make you understand it. Okay. Like that's it. Like I'm here. The track record is here. The examples are here. Like follow the trend. If you feel like I, I am diverting from consistency, then baby, I, I don't know. I don't know what you're looking at. That's it. I don't know. So she seemed a little bit bothered that I responded that way. But she was like, you know, so do you have any other questions? I mean, you already skipped my question earlier that I had for you. <laughs> Moni chuckling. And I said, you know, you, you seem bothered by that. But the reality is that you it was not a relevant question to the documentary. And she said, well, I told you I haven't seen it. I told you. You just assumed that I haven't seen it. I said, I didn't assume. You literally told me that you haven't seen it. But they sent you the screener. And she said, well, you know, I just, they, they did not send it to me. They did not send it to me. I said, even if they didn't send you the screener, you knew you were interviewing me today. And if it was 
of an importance enough for you to make sure that your work was what it needed to be, then you would have found a way to see it by either contacting them and saying, please send me the screener or by simply paying the 15 bucks and expensing it. (laughs) But ultimately, like your responsibility is your own and you want to do a really good interview. So you will not let people get in the way of that happening. That's what I'm trying to say. And I was like, I'm just trying to give you game. I'm not trying to come at you. And she was like, well, I mean... I, you know, and I was like, you still seem very, you seem defensive. Oh my God, I'm not defensive. Then she gonna turn to the videographer and be like, I mean, is it me or is it her? At this big age that I've acquired, like you not doing that. And so I said to her, I said, I I think this would be better suited if you would leave the room and we continue the interview alone. And she was like, she put her jacket on like a cape. She turned around. She was like, well, ugh. And then she addressed my PR that she's been shading this whole time without even knowing because she's still a novice. Not even realizing that every single time that you claim that you did not get my screener, you're shading these two people in here who absolutely have sent you the screener several times. But you keep standing on that you were not given the materials you needed. Who do you think these two people are? Who do you think this white lady and this big black man are? Like, do you think they did my security? No, this is the PR. So you should have been addressing them from the gate when I walked in, if that was the case. Hey, y'all didn't send me the screener. Nonetheless, she ends up leaving. And on her way out, she says, I knew this was going to go this way. I said, well, you manifested what you thought. (laughs) And then we went on to do a great interview with the videographer who was there. She gave him her questions and we were able to complete the interview. The vibe went immediately to the top because you know why? We removed the force and we created flow. The last dose. Now, you know, as a Star Warsian, as a Jedi, even referring to force as a bad thing is very sometimes contradictory for me. And it feels very like, oh, my God. But, you know, I had I I don't live in that universe. (laughs) I live in this one. Okay, I live in this one. And the truth is, is that I do understand that uh, the force oftentimes is not with you. It's not. The force is oftentimes not with you. And so you have to find your flow by being able to identify what is with you. Gratitude every day, right? Mindfulness, awareness, compassion. They're all there, but we don't live in a society that gives them much value at this point. And so when we're looking to find our flow, we understand that much of us finding our flow is gonna come from disconnecting from the actual shit stream that we're in in society. It's going to come from us saying, you know what? I got to get out of that mainstream and into flow. And for some people that is by aligning with, you know, a religious, you know, group or some type of spiritual practice. It's all the effort of saying, I need to get connected to me. When you get connected to you, you get connected to the God in you. And the God in you, there's all these other people that got God in them. And so when you're in flow, I believe that you are now on a wavelength with everybody else who is doing that same work, the same way that the turtle was on the jet stream in Finding Nemo. We're all going to get there. 
if we just let ourselves get in there. <laughs> 